0: Hello, and uh, welcome to the Monolith Medium podcast. Um, This episode is about a serious man um, and about the themes uh, that run throughout the film. Um, But I have a few things that I want to talk about before we get to that. Firstly, our uh, Monolith Medium Literary Contest is uh, complete. Uh, We have all three of our winners uh, online currently. And you guys can check those out. We had some great essays and some great, actually, uh, literary fiction that was uh, kind of exciting to to read and kind of, I don't know, uh, it was different than I expected, which uh, I really enjoyed. We're going to be starting up a literary contest again at the end of January, um, and we're toying with the idea of doing a uh, quarterly film contest as well. Um, that we can be housed on our site, um, which is a really exciting possibility. I would love to uh, showcase uh, experimental film, uh, thematically motivated film. Um, it'd be a lot of fun. Going into 2019, um, the only specific plan that we have is that we want to do a podcast that um, is essentially a discussion of uh, top five or top ten favorite films of 2018, um, hopefully in a context that allows us to really dive into like the reasons why, um not necessarily just kind of the uh glancing uh reactions uh things where we can really discuss film um and we'll be doing that that will only happen with guests that won't be an exclusive episode uh with just me um and uh, that will be pretty much the only thing that we have on the horizon uh, currently. We have other films that we, have, of course, want to discuss. Um, and we're going to be continuing putting out the journals, uh, the journal essays as uh, podcasts as well. So there will be a variety of content that we have for you. But a lot of it, again, is going to be pivoting to, to trying to showcase uh, user-submitted content. Um, and that's going to be uh, part of our goals going forward. Um, but today we're talking about a serious man, as I said earlier, a serious man is an interesting film because I think it's kind of at a, a kind of a, a crux of, um, the Coen brothers career. Uh, it's, you know, as they, they have clearly developed a different style, um, with a serious man inside Lewin Davis, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, and Hill Caesar to some extent as well too, um, where they're very heavily thematic, um, and they're, uh, their style, their cinematic style has really changed um, from kind of a, the burn after reading. That was like an e- burn after reading was essentially an end of an era where their cinematic style was very kind of matter of fact. But they, they really changed who they were, um, I think, cinematically and thematically um, at that moment. And A Serious Man is the first of those films. And it's it's probably their most, in my opinion, thematically focused film. Uh, it's it's a short film. Uh, I mean it's you know an hour and a half It's not really long And every scene seems to be very much written With the same mentality in mind uh, And that's exciting for me um, I really love the focus that they've kind of developed In this past you know like five or six films Where they've really been able to say You know like I want to say something with every film And they have done that They, uh, they do a very good job of that um, Their films are still just as funny and compelling as ever Uh, but I think that they're more mature, they're more uh, intelligently created than uh, some of their past more kind of almost absurdist uh, comedies. Um, And don't get me wrong, I love those uh, as well, but I do think it's a different type of filmmaking that they've expressed um, over the past 10 years or so. So instead of just having me talk about the Coen brothers, uh, let's get to the podcast. Let me ask you a question. When you turn on the news or you're on your phone scrolling through whatever's happened today, and some particular tragedy, whichever one <laughs> has occurred on a daily basis, it seems sometimes, when you see that, what do you think? Of course, your your first reaction is to feel at least kind of a semblance of empathy, depending on how close you are to the subject, or how much the particular subject matters to you. And then there's another part of it where you're almost kind of reconciling what's going on. You want to put the blame somewhere. You want to say, well, the shooting wouldn't have happened if we had better gun laws, or this tragedy in Syria wouldn't have occurred if there wasn't some evil world leader kind of orchestrating all of this mass destruction. And we do this because we have to. There is there's, uh, an onslaught of evil on the horizon every day, and it's not something that we are ignoring. I mean, we can't ignore it. It's, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's in our gaze, and it's something that we live with every single day. And to say that this is a phenomenon of social media era is just not true. It's been since the beginning of time. (laughs) There's always been darkness. And there's always been this, this kind of coming storm. Storm clouds on the horizon that are coming our direction. And that same feeling that we get when we're on our phone looking at that, at that tragedy, at the pain that we see all around the world, sometimes close, sometimes really far away, that's a very deeply human phenomenon. And the pain doesn't stop when we learn the news. It continues. And, and, and the crisis is really, what do we do with that information? What do we, where, do we, where do we find the reason behind it all? And that's what the, A Serious Man is about. That's what the film A Serious Man is about. It's about trying to understand this complete, completely chaotic situation that we're always in, that there is, from moment to moment, things happen, and whether we're responsible or not, or someone else's, is is either difficult to decipher or completely unknowable, and that, that responsibility is something that we crave. We want to know that there's reason. We want to know that there's something, that there's a pattern, that we can say, this happened because of this. And this isn't something that just becomes a part of the theme. This is the essence of the film itself, which starts from the first frames that we see, the opening quote, Receive with simplicity all that happens to you and of course that quote can be taken many di- different directions but i think the uh the most easy way to communicate it, is ju- communicate it is just to say it is what it is dummy don't overthink it and that's important advice uh for the character larry gopnik who we meet later after this opening where they're discussing who is a Dybbuk and who's not <laughs> and and the opening is, is almost kind of like a one-act play in itself. It's fantastic. But the most important thing for us in this discussion is that it ends with no closure. Whether the man is a Dybbuk or not is not answered in that opening scene. And it totally depends on how you look at it. And that is the point. So when the man enters, the audience may be convinced that he's a Dybbuk. And then the woman stabs him. And at first, it's so clear. You're like, well, clearly, this man is a, a demon. Or not even a demon. That may be too loaded of word. But he's a spirit of some kind. But nothing happens. And then he starts bleeding. And you're like, well, maybe he actually is. But then he walks away with almost, you know, he's almost dancing in a way. He, he's He's very clearly, like, not bothered by this. And so... We do end with no clarity. Was the man a Dybbuk or not? And then of course we go into the opening sequence where we hear the Jefferson Airplane song Somebody to Love when the truth is found to be lies and all the joy within you dies. So we're currently like, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes through the film already and every single thing is is, is laser focused on this exact issue. This is something that uh, has become a part of the Cohen brothers kind of uh focus in these past like five films are so very thematically focused something that changed i think after burn after reading but anyway getting back to the film when we first meet larry gopnik he's drawing an immensely complicated uh equation on a board it's a it's the equation for schrodinger's cat so um the idea that something can simultaneously be one thing and another um, depending on the gaze of the human, if they can see it or not. Of course, that is directly related to the uh, the Dybbuk little one act that we got at the beginning of the film. But it's more complicated than that. So we see Gopnik as this man who's incredibly intelligent and able to articulate kind of the, uh, the, the fundamental reason behind physical phenomena, because he's a physics teacher. And all those phenomena exist... And he's dedicated his life to understanding them in a way that breaks them down into finding reason that this is the reason that it happens and that, that that there is something random doesn't occur. And so we get this character, and then if you think that that's not necessarily what they're trying to say, we get it completely uh, reaffirmed in a scene following when he's talking with one of his uh, students who is... Uh, angry about a grade that he received on a test, and this scene is clearly comedic, but it is effective at communicating what the film is all about. The student is essentially complaining that he didn't realize that the mathematics would be tested in the uh, in the test that he took. That he understands the physics, he just didn't realize that he had to know the mathematics. And Gopnik goes back to him and he says that if you don't know the math then you can't understand the physics. But clearly that's not necessarily the case. And maybe in the scope of this conversation and this test we need the math to understand the physics, but to see a physical phenomenon and understand the way that it happened, you don't need to understand the mathematics behind it. The mathematics behind it is the reason potentially that it happened, but it's not it's 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 just a description of the phenomena itself but his confusion about this maybe not and we're taking this a little bit far clearly the the student didn't know the mathematics and this is important but for the fundamental conversation we're having here Gopnik is confused (laughs) he thinks that to understand something is to understand it entirely to say that there is a reason behind it to say that well this happened because this happened and that is the reason itself and that mentality is essentially what haunts him throughout the entire film. This is about Gopnik's search for an underlying reason for whatever happens in the universe. And as the film continues on, we see this kind of like series of confusing and kind of ever-growing predicaments, things that become more uh, stressful over time. So his, his tenure committee uh, searching, like who's sending the letters, the Columbia Record group calling, and you know, like who, who's done this, who's done that, and his divorce and trying to, trying to figure that out. And specifically with his divorce, when he's talking with his wife, and she's saying that she wants to get a get, a ritual divorce, she says to him, you haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. And Gapnik is just completely confused by this statement. He's trying to understand what's going on because things don't just happen. You know, he, he says that there must have been something... Or, you know, he's, he's convinced that there is a reason behind his, his divorce. And what she says is, you haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. And to piggyback on that same conversation, we go later to another conversation that he has with this disgruntled student. After the student left a bribe trying to get him to change his letter grade, Gopnik essentially is uh, rebuking him for leaving the money and trying to do it and the student is saying, you know, that he he's saying that he didn't do it. And Gopnik says actions have consequences. And the student says, "Yes, often." And Gopnik goes back. He says, "No, always. Actions always have consequences." And he's trying to associate this this kind of the, what's happening to say that this is you. This is, you know, that you have done this and you are the reason why this happens. And this is him trying to put two and two together to say that there is a reason that everything is going on. But of course, the student denies it. We continue on. And over time, we realize that he is just surrounded by things that are happening to him. And nothing is associated with what he's done. His wife was right. He hasn't done anything. No one's done anything. He He's just Uh, the kind of the the locus of all of this uh, chaotic action surrounding him he walks into his own home and his his kids are arguing arthur's in the bathroom his wife is angry telling him to leave all these different things and he says what's going on and of course there's no answer and this isn't something that he's struggling with alone his brother arthur is uh, creating a mathematical equation called the Mentaculus, which is essentially just trying to find patterns within the universe. And we get hints that it's fairly effective; that he's good at playing cards; that he gets money this way. But it's not enough. You know, people stop him from 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 doing it, and he's essentially banned from playing cards. And we look into the Mentaculus, and even if it is effective, it is completely incomprehensible. And looks like the ravings of a, of a madman, even to Gopnik, who is incredibly intelligent. So Gopnik, struggling with all of this, goes to a rabbi. He ends up talking to the junior rabbi. And the junior rabbi, uh, again, in a very comedic, very funny conversation, tells him what is in essence, you just need to change the way that you look at things. That you're seeing all the negative, and you're not seeing, seeing the positive. And of course, this is ineffective because we continue on, and he still struggles with the same things. He has a dispute over a property line with his neighbor, who there seems to be some anti Semitic um, tension between the two of them, and they argue about where the property line is, which would seem to be an objective answer. This becomes such a big deal that Gobnik actually goes to a lawyer to try to find the reason. This property line case is is very difficult to understand apparently, and there's lots of codes involved. And so they brought in the man who knows it better than anybody, and he's introduced by saying that the only reason he found the answer was because of luck. He he you know he lucked into something, and and only he could see it. Um, and as he's getting ready to present it, he has a heart attack and dies. And so this man who had this um acute understanding of of this very specific issue and and in the scope of this conversation this man who has the answers to this information that is almost unknowable dies and the information continues to be unknowable and Gopnik, again becoming more and more stressed with all this just needs to go to another rabbi i need to find another person who can give me the answers he's actually talking with a friend and she says something along the lines of that Jews, because they're Jewish, of course, they have all kinds of stories to draw wisdom from. And that, that's the source of their, that's the source of their uh, peace, is to say that this is the reason behind it. And, and these parables, these stories that she's describing, um, give them comfort and explain the physical phenomena in the universe. So he ends up with another rabbi and the rabbi tells him the story of the goy's teeth which is really one of the best sequences in the film and i'm not going to summarize it because if you're listening to this you'll already have seen the film but when he's telling this story over time it feels like we're building towards something that this this reason that this story will have a reason that this will have like a a motivation for what's going on that that, that there will be an underlying reason to what's happening with this kind of crazy story about the words, help me, save me, inside the mouth of a, of a goy. And when we get to the end, we realize that there is nothing. The rabbi says, how does God speak to us? It's a good question. And, of course, Gopnik pushes him on his He's saying, you know, like, what, you know, what happened? What was the point of it? And the rabbi says, it is a sign from Hashem? Don't know helping others couldn't hurt. And of course, Kupnik come back comes back and he says, you can't, you can't know everything? It sounds like you know nothing. And he says, why does he make us feel the questions if he's not going to give us the answers? And that line itself is kind of the whole, the whole film in, in, a, in a nutshell. Why does he make us feel the questions if he's not going to give us the answers? Why do we have to see all of this chaotic pain and suffering in the world—if there's no reason—if he won't give us the reason—if he won't tell us the plan—and the film gives us almost a, a joke as a uh, as a reason going forward, as kind of a a line of action that we can take. It starts with Gopnik; he's writing out this incredibly, again, another incredibly complex uh, equation on a board um, in his class. It's the uncertainty principle. And he says, even though you can't figure anything out, you'll be responsible for it on the midterm. In the context of what we're talking about here, again, is even though you can't find reason in anything, and there's no way to attribute necessarily your actions to real impacts in the world, you're responsible for your own actions. And then we go back, obviously, to the rabbi saying, is it a sign from Hashem? Don't know. Helping others couldn't hurt. And so what we realize is that there is no answer. That the problem of evil exists, and it will continue to do so because there is no reason. The chaos that surrounds us will continue on. And it's our responsibility to shape our lens to fit the world in a, in a way that we can understand, to, to either ignore or to say that this is what I can do, this is what I can handle. And so the rabbi's advice becomes much more helpful and, and useful. It is about changing the way that you view things. It is about doing the simple good and only and choosing positive actions for the world. And it's as simple as that. That doesn't change the fact that, at the end of the film, Larry is surrounded in darkness. He has legal debts. His wife is still leaving him. He has a doctor calling him with what we're assuming is profoundly terrible news. And as he looks out the window, there's a tornado on the horizon. And his son is outside, and he's looking at it. And he just stares at it, knowing that it will be there soon. And we go back to the beginning of the film, the very first frame, and we see the words, Receive with simplicity all that happens to you. Thank you for listening to the Monolith Medium podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or any other podcatchers, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, Do all that good stuff. Uh, We love to hear feedback, and I would love to know more about uh, what you love and what you'd like to change about uh, this podcast format. But don't just stop there. Go to our website, subscribe to our newsletter, uh, shoot me an email with comments or critiques, anything of that kind. Um, And until next time, this has been Brett Hoy with Monolith Media.